Hello, fellow and future dancers, and thanks for listening to the Dance Floor Podcast. I'm Lauren Johnson, and on today's episode, I am joined by Dwight Davis. He is a man who's had a very special influence on me, both as a person and as a dancer. And on this episode, we talk about how he got started as a dancer from a background in martial arts, and we also discuss which one he would choose if he could only practice one for the rest of his life. I was fascinated by his answer, and I hope you will be too. So you are a very special guest to me because you are the very first man I ever have performed with. So what was, was that the Bolero? We did do a Bolero. Yeah, but no, the first performance we ever did together was a Samba. Oh, it was a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. Yeah. No, it was like a random. (laughs) I'm going to be a little bit heartbroken. You don't remember our dance. To be completely honest, I don't remember what song it was, but it was a very traditional, like, samba song it was off one of the mixtapes do you remember why you picked samba for me though because it's kind of a funny story um nope Because you don't even remember that we did this as a dance. Well, like I said, you were the first man that I ever did a performance with. And you specifically asked me what my favorite dance was. And I can't remember what my favorite dance was at the time. It was like uh, maybe cha-cha or waltz or something. And you said, okay, cool. And you said, "Uh, just out of curiosity, what's your least favorite dance? And I said, samba. I hate samba. I can't stand samba. It's the worst dance in the world. It doesn't fit my body. It's just weird and it doesn't click for me. And you said, okay, great. We're going to do a samba. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is just very typical of you i think i was just paying it forward man you know somebody made me do something i didn't want and i thought hey you know it's made me a better person i'm gonna help you out too well and it's funny because <laughs> to this day samba is one of my favorite dances and i think maybe if i can imagine what you were thinking is that you were like well hey if you know we work really hard on it and she focuses a lot on it she'll feel differently about it and by the time we did finish that routine I felt completely different about it like it totally clicked for me and it was it was a lot of fun cool yes let's go with that this is a dance podcast so we're going to talk about dancing but I actually I'm really more excited to talk about there being a new addition to your family this coming Tuesday so how do you feel about that with everything that's going on it's a welcome distraction with a little guy coming in you know we just have to figure out what we're going to name him yeah yeah, so we have to find a, a name for Baby Davis. And you know that you're having a boy, so that's pretty exciting. Yes, all boys. Yeah. That's all I make. Your poor wife, Teresa, I mean, she's just in a house full of men. I just think that's that's pretty overwhelming. So there's going to be five men now. Uh, Teresa's a saint. <laughs> Very true. But, you know, you have to look at it this way. You know, boys... Especially when they get older, they, they take care of their mothers. They love their mothers, you know? That's so, very true. That's a nice way to think of it. They definitely prefer her over me, so there's that. <laughs> well, everyone loves their mom. Moms are the best. There's no one like a mom. Yes, I may have to adopt for the, the little girl. <laughs> but yeah, I guess you'll have to have a girl or somebody's going to have to, and I can, be a, I can be an uncle or something, you know? By proximity. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, like we were talking about, you and I have done many performances together, all of them memorable in some way or another, but you are a huge example of dance in my life. You're someone who was a huge influence on me when I was first learning to dance. I feel like I can thank you for so much of what I know and also for thinking outside of the box when it comes to dancing as well, because you have such a background in many other styles of movement. And that's kind of one of the things I wanted to talk to you about today is how did you get started in ballroom dancing specifically? Well, I needed a job. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> like, like we all did. <laughs> pretty much how that started. Yeah. So I took my uh, my oldest son's mom to, to interview because she found Arthur Murray at the newspaper. And so uh, she said, you should try out. And I said, nah, nah, that's not for me. <laughs> you know, uh, 
I'm a martial artist. You know, even though my teacher said Kung Fu was dance, I never pictured myself as a dancer. I didn't even go to prom because I was afraid to dance in front of people. Oh, wow. That's insane. <laughs> yeah. So I, I took her and, you know, they were taking so long. We didn't have heat in our car at the time. And Alex was a, a newborn. So I took him in to find out what was taking so long. And, you know, long story short, um, she didn't end up getting a job, but they saw me and wanted me to interview. And they pretty much hired me on the spot because they need guys. Yes, there's always a need for guys in ballroom. Yeah, so it's pretty much how that got started. You know, it's funny because I actually have a, a slightly similar story to how I got started in ballroom dancing as well. It was not voluntary. I had never done any other style of dance before in my life, and huh. I was looking for a job. And my friend Jen had, I was in school for photography at the time, and my friend Jen had snuck me into the photo lab at her college when I was visiting her at school one weekend so that I could process some film. And she was looking up part-time jobs for me. And she was like, hey, you should do this. They're going to pay $20 an hour and they're going to train you. and You're going to be a professional dancer. And I just thought, no, that's my nightmare. I don't want to dance in front of people. And 15 years later, <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're so good at it. Yeah. And so are you. You could have gone to your prom. I mean, it would have been amazing. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> So you mentioned that you are a martial artist. Obviously, I know this about you, and it's one of the things that I feel like is such a huge identifier of you, too. It's such a huge part of your life. And you mentioned that your instructor called martial arts, or specifically Kung Fu, the style of martial arts that you do, a dance. So how long had you done martial arts before you started dancing? Uh, well, I dabbled in some martial arts like Taekwondo when I was seven. And, and then uh, where I grew up in the projects, there was a, a guy giving Aikido and Judo lessons for free. And I took a couple of weeks of that and learned how to do rollouts and, and things like that. And What's a rollout? A rollout, you know, like break falls. What's a break fall? <laughs> What's a break Like, uh, you know, how to fall properly and not break your neck. Okay. You know? Okay. How to smoothly hit the ground and get back up on skate, you know? Interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So, and then I never really touched it again. I was probably somewhere around seven to, to nine years old. And, and when I turned 12, I, I realized I, I want to study martial arts proper and not just out of magazines and TV. Because at mm -hmm. the time, Kung Fu Theater, you know, Kung Fu Theater was on every Saturday and me and my friends would get together and just kind of pretend. And I thought, you know what, I might want to be an actor one day. And what if I have an interview and they say, where'd you learn? And I'm going to have to tell them I learned off TV. And that's going to suck. So I said, I need to find an actual teacher. <laughs> so <laughs> when, I was, when I was 12, there was no Kung Fu schools. And um, I had the bright idea to look in the yellow pages and call the Taekwondo and karate schools and ask if they had Kung Fu there. And I found two. And I just picked one. And that was it. And that was back in 94. What made you stick with it for so long? Because I know, I mean, this is kind of a little bit of a cliche, but a lot of kids take martial arts when they're young in elementary school and junior high or whatever. What specifically about Kung Fu really resonated with you that you've kept it as like a lifetime practice and not just something that, you know, you do when you're a kid? Yeah, that's a good question. I actually, um, a few years ago, came across one of my really good friends I grew up with who started at the same time I did. And uh, he regretted quitting, you know, because of peer pressure, people kind of making fun of you. And it wasn't the normal thing to do where I was growing up. And I think that's probably one of the reasons why I liked it and stuck with it. Uh, I didn't want to be the norm or like everybody else. And on top of that, I, I really enjoyed what I was doing. I mean, I, I had no idea what to expect, but I, I first got into it and, and uh, I enjoyed the exercises, the, even the tough stuff that I didn't love. I still liked the challenge. And I liked that my teacher didn't believe in holding people back. You know, if, if you were ready for it, he gave, you, gave it to you. You didn't have to pay a certain amount or be a certain belt 
or sash, you know, if you were skilled enough and practice, then that was deserving enough. And I think that's one of the things that kept me going too, was just having somebody who taught common sense. It intrigued me and it still intrigues me to this day. I just enjoy it. I enjoy the difference of movement. That's really interesting. And I think I could also see that in your own teaching style a lot. I think that must have had an influence in how you teach as well, because I feel like you're very similar in that sense of you don't hold people back. You kind of teach people individually at their own speed. One of the things that I've kind of appreciated about my relationship with you and knowing you is is just learning a little bit more about martial arts and a lot of my own preconceived notions about what it is, uh, you know, because mm-hmm. I think a lot of people, when they think of martial arts, of karate, taekwondo, kung fu, we think of fighting, like immediately. That's what right. a lot of people think of it, or self-defense. So like, what's something that you wish people knew about martial arts that a lot of people don't know? If we talk about martial arts in general, as my teacher would say, any fool can kick or punch. It's not about that. And as many people would tell you, the best way to get rid of your enemy is just to get a gun and shoot them <laughs> right so <laughs> efficient yeah that's pretty efficient right it doesn't take years to learn right you know it's, it's about it's about your health and kung fu specifically was started by priest it was all about meditation and prayer and then a the guy named bodhidharma aka damu came to the temple and, and long story short saw that their bodies were weak and taught them something called the 18 hands of lohan which strengthened their minds and bodies so that they could pray for longer and meditate for longer And within those exercises were martial arts that they could also protect the temple from uh, warlords, you know, triads. So I I think I would like people to to know that it's not about what the movies show you. That's for entertainment. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you had to watch TV to try to learn about it, the best thing that you could probably watch would be Kung Fu and or Kung Fu The Legend Continues uh, with David Carradine because it gets a little bit more in depth into what Kung Fu actually is and the spirituality and and mental parts of it as well. I mean, the first thing that we had to do when I was in Kung Fu was before we spoke to anybody, we had to get on our knees and give thanks to our creator. We had Muslims, Seventh-day Adventists, Jehovah, Catholics, we had all types of people. That was the first thing that you had to do was that acknowledgement. And then you acknowledge the senior teachers, you know. So we, we, we treated it very much like a temple and we lived it that way. And it was mostly about your health, your spirit, your mind and your body in that order. And that's why I think I would like people to know, you know, it, it improves your overall energy. Fighting is last. So obviously there's a huge amount of discipline involved as well. Yeah. You know, to me, I never really look at it like that because I always liked what we were doing. So it came easy to me. But looking at it from the outside in, yeah, it, it takes a lot of discipline, especially now that I'm older and I have a lot of responsibility abilities um you have to to be disciplined and in this if you want to go far it is to you what you are to it like anything else and that's a huge commitment throughout your life to like i said to stay in this lifestyle of kung fu and to have committed to it and to have stuck with it for such a long time do you feel like your background in kung fu and martial arts made it very easy for you to become a dancer or do you feel like you almost had a different muscle memory that you had to break when you started dancing. Yeah, I remember um, I remember my first couple of lessons when I was being taught by one of the senior teachers at the studio. And every instinct in me was to flip this person on their back or their head because we were so close. <laughs> when you were <laughs> dancing? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a few close calls. I did. Wow. Okay. Because <laughs> it's just, it's just reflexes. Like somebody this close to me with their hands on me. Right. I, I got to take you out. I'm really <laughs> you know, glad so. that you had worked that out of your system by the time that you started dancing with me, by the yeah. way. 
it took a good six months or so to work it out in my system. But yeah, yeah. So once I got past that initial hump, it became very, very easy. And I always remember my teacher's words that, oh, you guys will never be as graceful as Master Gate would look at them. You guys need to work on that. And Kung Fu is dancing and break dancing came from Kung Fu and all that kind of stuff. And, <laughs> and uh, actually, when I did a little bit of research about that, I, you know, a lot of the guys who were doing breaking were watching a lot of Kung Fu films and they were getting a lot of that stuff from there. So I kind of started believing that. Okay. So it was always in the back. Of, it was always in the back of my mind that okay, you know, kung fu dancing one the same, but I never saw myself as a dancer, and so I became a dancer. You were a martial artist who was doing dance. Yeah, it was like okay, you know, I need a job. This will pay. I will fake it till I make it. I, you know, I, I kind of look like I can dance, and, <laughs> and I guess that's why they hired me. So yeah, you know, let's just pretend. And yeah, absolutely, dancing has definitely improved my martial arts, and martial arts definitely improved my dancing for sure. So they have kind of like a symbiotic relationship where one is enhancing the other and you're kind of growing as both as you go along. Well, yeah, man, it's physics. You know, it's all the same. You know, whether I'm dipping a person or spinning them or whether I'm doing a spin kick or sweeping a person, it's, it's all coming from my center, you know, and, it, and it's all fluid motion. It's all about my intentions. That's the only difference. I have to say, if I have one regret from high school, it's that I took advanced chemistry instead of physics. And if I had known that I was going to go into a career as a dancer, <laughs> I definitely would have studied physics way more. In fact, I don't I don't think that I even to this day fully understand how much physics has to do with movement and bodies in motion. And, and especially in the harmonious relationship of trying to create movement with another person. Oh, absolutely. I'm sure we could use that chemistry knowledge to some degree right you know yeah, maybe something, something maybe with the, uh, the ethereal parts of dancing or <laughs> the uh, mental relationship parts yeah we'll take that that's good that's <laughs> yeah. a good example so as we're kind of starting to move off of martial arts you know we've talked a lot about how it's enhanced your dancing and vice versa what do you feel are the biggest similarities and differences between dance and martial arts biggest similarities i think are uh physically uh explosiveness speed and power mentally being able to be disciplined and stick with it so that you can be good i mean when you get to a higher level and you get past the whole ego and having to win wanting to win and, and just being you find i think a certain peace and harmony and just the smoothness of motion you know the, once again the physics of everything the oneness the the being at peace and knowing what your dance is what your style is I think you're going to hate me for asking this question because I wouldn't want to answer it myself. But if you had to pick for the rest of your life and you could only do one or the other, dance or martial arts, could you pick? And if you could, which one would you pick? Kung Fu. Fascinating. And now the follow-up would be why? To me, I get everything within that martial art and i don't need anybody else it's just me being a ballroom dancer you know yeah i could do the ballroom dancing by myself but it's called ballroom so you know it's supposed to be with a partner ultimately speaking and, and and really honestly i don't really see a separation too much nowadays between the two because i can still get my internal aspects from doing a cha-cha the same way i can get from doing a kung fu set but looking at what i currently do i teach kung fu and martial arts for free on mondays for example I don't think I would teach dance for free. It's a <laughs> now, lot of work. <laughs> that I'm curious about. Why do you teach Kung Fu for free, but not dance for free? That's that's very interesting to me. You know, Kung Fu, I get up, I do it, I go to sleep. I probably do it in my sleep. You know, but uh, mm -hmm. the dancing, the dancing is um, is something that's that's fun for me. I enjoy it. I like giving it to people. It's a way for me to give people, I think, what they need by giving them what they want. Uh, but once again, it is my livelihood. And it is something that I had to do a lot for years, you know, every day, uh, not necessarily because I wanted to. And there was definitely times I didn't want to, 
So I think um, I think that's why I think it, it's just kind of turned into one of those things where I see dancing as a means to survival, whereas in Kung Fu, I see it as a means to survival as well, but it's not monetary. You know, it's completely separate from that, always has been. It's almost like a lifestyle, yeah. like maybe not a religion, but just a way that you live your life. So it's not necessarily so much of a career thing, maybe, but more just how you choose to live. Yeah, that's a good way to put it, exactly. Wow, that's really fascinating. I do agree with you that teaching dance is, it's a completely unique challenge to, I think, teaching anything else in life. Because I, I think whenever you're collaborating with someone, you have to work with all different personality types. You have to work with all hard, different levels man. of skills. Yeah, it's it's. I think dance teachers have a very, very unique challenge. Yeah, they do. I mean, it, you have to be kind of special, I think. It's, it's probably the most difficult thing I've done. And I mean, I've had boards broken off my head. <laughs> you know, broken boards, my fingers, you know, punched, kicked. And this teaching dancing is, I mean, you teach somebody Kung Fu, you say, okay, hold that horse dance for three minutes. You go away. I'm like, you know, you're going to hold it. Hold the bricks now. Do it. Don't right. don't whine, don't cry. You know, that's what you expect. And with the dancing is a whole nother emotional, emotional level. People think, take things very personal. You know, you can't be a certain way. You know, you, you have to really take an account of where somebody is coming from, not just physically, but emotionally. And you have to take care of that. That's very true. I think that's extremely insightful. And I think you mentioned it a moment ago that there's so much ego involved. And when I say ego, oh. I don't mean like conceit. I just mean uh, ego in the sense of the, how we think about I, ourselves. Self. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, there's exactly. quite a bit in the martial arts world as well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's easier to get over that when somebody punches you in the face. <laughs> you know, but... But in the in the dance world, it's like, well, you know, who's to say, really? You know, somebody says, you're the best. And somebody else will come along and say, no, that person's the best. And it's just because they didn't like your hair that day or, you know, the way you you did your makeup that day, you know? And it's just, it's too subjective. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's, I think, yeah, I think that's for me why I, I definitely can pick martial arts over it because, yeah, there's ego and there's the eye and the thing like that. And ultimately, whether you're a dancer or martial artist, you try to overcome that I-ness, if you will, and, and find what's whole and complete. But once again, when you go back to the, the more basic level, it's like, well, if you think you're better, you know, prove it. <laughs> That's what you got to do. Whereas right. in the dance world, there's no, there's no way to really prove it in the dance world. I totally get where you're coming from with that. That yeah. actually kind of takes me into, as you're talking about being a dance teacher and, and dealing with different personalities and different learning styles, what do you look for in a student? And I, I guess what what I mean by that is obviously our students find us, so it's not necessarily that we're out searching for specific personality types to teach, but once you have someone as a student, what are you hoping to get out of that relationship with them and what are you hoping to provide in that relationship as well? Commitment, number one. Trust. You know, for me for me, relationship between teacher and student, whether it be martial art or dance, is a sacred thing. Sometimes it can be the bond can be even more than family, you know, or really good friends. Yeah, because definitely. I'm pouring out something that I've honed, a skill that I've, I've built on every day of my life to give to you now so that you can learn something deep about yourself. To me, it's a very sacred relationship. So I want trust and I want commitment. I want basically what I give. And that's why I'm, I'm real careful about my mindset, especially when I come across people who want to learn whether it's martial arts or dance, because I'm a firm believer that you attract the people that you are most likely close to, that you are. If your mentality is a certain way, then you're going to get that kind of student. And I think each student kind of shows you a certain part of yourself that's hidden. For example, I needed more patience. So I got a couple of students that tried my patience. <laughs> and it definitely made my patience grow, you know, so. Wow, yeah, 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 yeah. Size to it. So for me, the main thing I want from somebody is if I'm going to take you on, I'm going to give you everything I have. and I'm not going to hold anything back. And I want your trust and commitment. I kind of love 
that you mentioned that what you want out of a student is is the same needs as what you're giving to a student, the trust and commitment, because uh, it is it's such a like a fine balance in that relationship. And I think that there is a huge level of trust involved on both ends of that relationship of I'm going to give you the information that I think you need. I'm going to give it to you when you need it and how you need it. And I think that that's a huge amount of trust that's involved in that relationship. Yeah, I think um, the main thing I try to tell people is something that my teacher told me, and that's anybody that tries to limit your knowledge, you should run away from, you know, because sometimes I'll hear some teachers say, don't learn from this person, only learn from me, or you should stop doing this style, or should only focus on that style. And I say to the person, if somebody's trying to limit your knowledge, run the other way. Yeah, I think that's great advice. That person's being selfish. You're, nine times out of 10, the student is the teacher and teacher's a student. And, and you have to look beyond just, wow, well, he's a good dancer or she's a good dancer. That's what I want to learn. Or, wow, he's a good fighter. That's what I want to learn. You have to look at the character and the spirit of that person, too, because you're not only taking in those physical traits that they're teaching you. You're taking in a lot more things that you may be unaware of on a subconscious level. You know, it's a it's a whole fruit, you know, kind of thing. It's not just a piece. Mm-hmm. So. You know, when you're, when you're picking a teacher, when you're picking a student, you have to look at the whole, you know, the individual as a whole. There is such a thing as being overwhelmed with information, but I think that's also part of that trust dynamic is trusting that your teacher will not limit you, but will also not give you anything that you're not ready for or pushing you into a next step before you've gotten this first step down. For sure. That's something I had to learn along the way. You know, it took me a long time to learn that because I had my expectations like, okay, you can do it. You can do it. It's like, yeah, they can do it. But, you know, sometimes just because people can do it doesn't mean you should give it to them right away. Sometimes (laughs) you got to get the repetition in first, you know? Of course. Yeah. So taking that into a different kind of relationship, is there any difference in what you would expect from a professional partner? So we've talked about kind of what you're looking for when you have a relationship with a student. You've had multiple professional partners over the course of your career. What are you looking for in a professional partner? Same thing. Looking for that trust, looking for that commitment. It might take a slightly different shape, you know, those words, but not very much. If, if we're talking a student who, who just wants to learn some moves, they, they, they're not terribly serious. They just want to be a little bit good socially or whatever it may be. Then the level of commitment I'm looking from them will be a little bit different. Uh, if I have a competitive student who wants to be as good as they can, they want to get out there and do everything a professional will do and we start working on open routines, I'm pretty much going to treat them the same way as I would my professional partner. And I will look for a bit more commitment, which means I will be looking for them to be practicing a lot more on their own, maybe doing some kind of cardio to get their wind up so that they can last and not looking for me to drag them around the floor. (laughs) Right. It's not really a matter of professional versus student. It's a matter of how far do you want to go with this? If you just want to go social, that's cool. If you want to go competitive, whether you're a pro or a student, to me, it's all the same. That actually kind of takes me perfectly into one of the other questions that I wanted to ask you. Uh, how important do you feel like outside physical training is in relation to dance? And whether that's cardio or Pilates or a martial arts, how important do you feel like it is to do something outside of actually just dancing to keep your body in shape for dancing? If you're talking about competitive dancing, it's super important. You know, for me, it's like being a martial artist who has all the skills in the world, but you don't have the stamina to execute, or you don't have the speed or accuracy or power, you know, to, to, to finish the job. Right. The technique is pointless then. So if you're talking about competitive dancing, it's all the same thing. If, if you're really good, you got hip action, you got sway, you can do all the technique, the pointing your toes, but you can't last three rounds. 
well, it's not the best dancer that wins. It's the most consistent dancer that wins. Yeah, we've all seen those couples in the finals that they're doing their last round of Mambo and you can just tell that they're just, their life like, force is gone. Exactly. Like, oh, yeah, they're done. You know yeah. why they put Mambo last. <laughs> see exactly who's going to last and who's going to fade. So, Survival of the fittest. Exactly. So everybody's different. I used to believe that you had to run. If you don't run, then, you know, I don't believe that necessarily anymore. I think you can do many different things. You can oh, do, thank God. I hate running. I know, right? You can do whatever. You can, you can walk on an incline. You can you can do fast Tai Chi. You can do whatever is going to get your heart rate up and get you conditioned, whatever you need to make it work for you. And flexibility, of course, is a must. Yeah, I think it's very important to do some kind of auxiliary training, some kind of training outside of your preferred skill set. As we're kind of talking about dancing with professional partners, you've had how, how many professional partners have you danced with over the course of your career? Oh, let's see. Can you count? You've had so many women, Dwight. You've had so oh, many stop women. it. Stop. <laughs> I, uh, I had, uh, let's see, I had one, but we never actually got out on the floor because she quit before. Okay. That was like my first few months there. And then I had, uh, let's see, I had one, two, uh, three, four. I had about four rhythm partners and one smooth partner, so five. Some of the women that you danced with were also you were in a relationship, a personal relationship with them as well. And then some of them were just, you know, like a completely platonic partner. How do you feel like that relationship is different when you are involved with your dance partner versus when it's just completely about dancing? What's easier? What's harder? Is there a difference? Well, let's see. Financially, it's definitely easier when you're with the person that you're uh, <laughs> competing with, right? Because right. uh, the money is one. And, uh, you know, of course, you know, you go to the hotels and you go to the different cities and, you know, out of the country and you get to spend that time with the person that you're dating. That's also convenient and nice. Right. But I, I've, I've learned also that you start to think, take things very personal and it goes to a whole nother level of taking it personal i mean you say something like hey when you do that you look like a duck walking and then, you know you got tears and everything why do you around. hate me <laughs> why do you hate me so much you know <laughs> and so you know you have to be very careful and, and a little bit more aware and sensitive and and it can be really difficult to separate your personal life from your your dance life but um when it's just a friendship and you are you are a trainee it's not as sensitive and the things that you say are you know a little more quickly forgiven you don't really see the person as yourself i think when you're dating the person you you feel like it's a representation of you to your deepest core you know they look a certain way now that's a representation of me and i'm looking a certain way and you take it so personal and you know it can really get in the way if you let it i would say it's not necessarily easier when you live with the person you're dating them you can practice pretty much any time but then once again if you're practicing in your home or in your personal dwelling and a fight happens now that's where you're going to remember all the negativity and then as far as on a um, performance level i think it's not always, but I've observed it in myself and I've observed it in other couples, a few couples, that when you're dating, you know, trying to create that flirtatious energy sometimes can be a little bit difficult, especially when you've been in a relationship for a long time because it's like, well, I already know who you are. You know, I love that you said that because one of the things that I always found frustrating when people would make comments about how lucky I was to dance with my romantic partner because we were already 
like in love and it would, (laughs) I actually think that it's a lot harder to create those emotions on the floor when, when you are with your romantic partner, because there's not the same kind of sexual tension you know, there's no tension. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we've been together and uh, you're right. That's, I, I just think that's fascinating because it really, in a lot of ways can be the opposite sometimes is when you don't have that, it's, you might have chemistry, but it's a different kind of chemistry. Yeah, it's different. It's something that shows really well in the bolero for example a a dance that's supposed to show a relationship that's been around the corner a few times you know yeah we're trying to create that cheeky feel you know in the cha-cha that very like you know sexy feel like in the room and things like this yeah it can be a little bit more difficult when it's somebody you know you already you already know like that when it's somebody that you don't it's like oh okay it may not go anywhere but just the idea that it could and that playfulness can make things a little bit more interesting to look at yeah, like a little bit more exciting, a little bit more dangerous. Yeah, exactly. But also depends on the individual. I've had partners where there was absolutely nothing. And, you know, dating them or not dating them, it's just nothing. So it doesn't it doesn't matter. It really just depends on the individuals. Yeah, I feel like there's so many undefinable things that go into a dance partnership. I've, t- I've talked about it on some other episodes that I think there's three things, three key ingredients that go into a dance partnership. One is work ethic. It doesn't have to necessarily be a good or bad work ethic. I th- I do think it's important that each partner has a similar work ethic, though. So if you're both lazy, great. If you're both hard workers, great. But you have to have a similar work ethic. I think the second thing would be communication. And I think the third thing would be chemistry. And I think, you know, not everyone is lucky enough to have all three of those things in a partnership. But I to me, those are the three things that make up a great partnership. Yeah. They, see, there's that chemistry word again. Exactly. The thing that, for me, that didn't make partnerships last, aside from some of them being circumstantial, was lack of work ethic, in my opinion. We didn't have the same idea of what one should do to reach a certain level. Yeah. And I was willing to do just about anything to reach, you know, those levels. And I just wasn't seeing it from certain people. And that just, that will, that will break something up quicker, I think, than anything else. Yeah. I th- I think there's always that frustration that you, you're hitting a wall with someone when you don't have a similar work ethic. It's 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 really interesting. Yeah, absolutely, because then you don't get first place. Who are you going to blame it on? You're going to blame the person who's not pulling their weight as much. And that's not necessarily fair to them, you know, because maybe they're doing what they can or, or whatever. And it just it just starts to crumble things from within. Yeah, you have to have some freedom, I think, within that. And that's something that I had to learn. Like, okay, you know, not everybody has to run 15 miles and <laughs> go do two hours of yoga and stretch and you know practice for three hours you know it's not it's not for everybody that's not for you everyone know? you are a unique individual when it comes to um work ethic i will say that about you 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 definitely exactly. have a very very high standard for work ethic and i think that's a good thing i think that's a very good thing see once again that's why kung fu is really good for me because i don't need anybody it's just me <laughs> you can work as hard as you want you don't myself. have to rely on anyone else exactly so you did mention that you competed in smooth and you also competed with multiple partners in rhythm. And I think just because so much more of your career was devoted to rhythm, I I so identify you with that. What specifically, I mean, obviously as a, as a man in demand, as a dancer, you could have chosen any style and had ample partners to compete with and ample opportunities. What specifically about rhythm dancing drew you in? Well, I first wanted to do Latin, but um, my boss at the time told me, no, (laughs) you do rhythm. That makes more sense. (laughs) Yeah, because my favorite, my first favorite dance was the samba, and then my second one was the cha-cha. And I love the jive. I just love the speed of the, the Latin style, and I loved the pasta doble music. It's just so intense. I hated the mambo. I didn't get the swing. You know, so <laughs> I wanted to do Latin, and she was like, no, you know, 
this is what we teach, this is what we do, you want to make money that way. And I say, okay, fine. Yeah, because a lot of studios are divided between American style and international style. So you kind of have to, you know, go with whatever your studio is doing. Yeah, so I kind of just fell into it. And then, um, you know, once I put more time into it and I I got older and slowed, you know, started slowing down a little bit, I actually started to appreciate the slower, uh, more rhythmical style of rhythm over the faster style. Even when I was practicing round after round of rhythm, I would put on Latin music. And I I try to go as fast as I can go. was it specifically like the challenge of the speed that drew you into that style at first? I just like to go fast. Okay. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and, and everybody else wanted me to slow down. And, I, and maybe there was a little bit of, oh, you want me to slow down? I'm going to go faster. I don't know. But I just like to go. I just I just like jive. It had kicks. It's like, hey, I know what kicks are. I do that. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Samba had kind of, you know, the, the Samba runs and it really moved quickly and it traveled. It's like, hey, you know, I run. I know what that's about. I related to it, you know, now you want me to slow down, move my hips in this way and be all a certain way that wasn't necessarily with my personality. I just didn't appreciate rhythm as, as much at first. But um, I would say if I had to look at it now, I would just say that I like being able to show a little bit more in depth my technique. One of the things that you've kind of mentioned a few times about the, the main difference between your practice in Kung Fu and your practice in dance is that in Kung Fu, it's it's a solo activity for you or, or it can be a solo activity. With dance, what are some of the things that you actually like about working with a partner? Huh. Or what are some of the things that you hate? There's <laughs> too many on that list. Let me think about <laughs> first. You know, even though I, I like the solo part of Kung Fu, I've always wanted a partner to practice with. It's not that I just always want to be you know, by myself and my practices, I just, um, I never came across anybody who was willing to put the work in, you know, where I grew up, even in the Kung Fu school. And after that, no, nobody was really willing to go where I wanted to go with it. And so I, I was forced into doing things on my own with Kung Fu. It was not necessarily by choice. So when I'm dancing and I find somebody who's putting the work in and they look pretty good doing it and they don't have to be the best, but they intend to be the best that they can be, I enjoy that mental camaraderie and when i'm physically suffering and they're pushing themselves so hard they're physically suffering too i i enjoy that i'm not the only one you know i like that that feeling of partnership it's just not something i come across very often in my life to be honest i feel like as as a very good friend of yours and someone who's known you for 15 years i don't think that working with a partner is something that's supernatural for you. It's very impressive to me how far you've come in working with partners because you are a lone wolf. You are very much someone who's very self-reliant. You are just, I I think you're very self-contained. And so I feel like it's very impressive that you have these relationships that you've created through dance, also in martial arts, where you are working with someone. Because just to me, from my own viewpoint of who you are as a person, I don't think it's something that comes really natural for you. Yeah, it's it's more impressive to my poor partners than it is. (laughs) Yeah, I've had to learn you know, the ropes and how to get along and all that kind of stuff, which fortunately I had a lot of coaches to help me with that too. Right. You know, you, it, it takes that outside person to kind of put things into perspective. But yeah, it's not very, very natural for me. My my whole thing was very competitive coming up. In Kung Fu, you know, we were all in the same class, but of course I wanted to be as good as I can be. And when everybody else was drinking tea, I was on the floor practicing, you know, and when it came time to spar, I wanted to wipe the floor with them. You know, we were doing splits or something. I would try to break my legs to get a little bit further than them. You know, I was always looking at the person that's better than me and then trying to get better than them. And that happened a lot of times. You know, I I come in and I'm the last one and all of a sudden I shoot up. So I always enjoyed being around people who were better because it just made me better. It's not a very natural thing for me to work with people. And that's probably why I got into dance, you know, on that subconscious or spiritual levels, because 
it was a missing piece of me, something I needed to work on. Yeah, that makes sense. That's that's fascinating. Yeah. It's almost like you were speaking about earlier when you talked about the students or the people that come into your life. It's almost like, you know, when you exactly. felt like your patients needed to be tried, you found people that tried your patients and it, it made you exactly. more patient. Now I got four boys trying my patients. Exactly. So you're about to be the most patient person on the face of the earth. I'm, that's, yes, yes. That's a Sage full household. Level. Yes. <laughs> you know, I say life happens for you, not to you. So. Oh, I love that. Just, Interesting. One of the things that we, we obviously we spoke about a little bit towards the beginning of our discussion here is that men are in high demand in ballroom dancing. And that's kind of one of the reasons possibly why you were hired on the spot to be a dance instructor. And why I was not fired sooner. Yeah. And I why know, you were right? not fired sooner. Oh my gosh, you guys, Dwight got away with so many things. You uh, you never blew up a single balloon at the studio. That's, that's I'm going to air that grievance right now that you never had to decorate the studio ever. You could, you could come in late. You could go, oh my gosh, hey, wow. I, I blew some balloons up and I had powder all over my lips and I read the back and it said, do not blow up my mouth. And I showed it to the boss and said, I'm not doing this. Wow. <laughs> she, she, you know, she bought some pumps for you guys and that's how that happened. And then I did put up streamers and balloons and all that kind of stuff and they tore it down because they said it looked like a clown threw up. They did not like it. So Yes, so that, hey. that very classic uh, scenario of, <laughs> oh, I'm not good at decorating, so I... <laughs> Gonna be called upon to do it. Hey, that might be on purpose, might not have been. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, it was it was genius either way. Well, my question for you, my main question for you is, uh, you know, I think we're kind of in a much more progressive day and age of men dancing, and it's much more socially acceptable. But I think there is still a stigma on the masculinity of men who dance. So I wanted to ask you just. In general, what would your advice be for men who dance, either men that are interested in dance, men that are already dancing? How do you feel that you as a man relate specifically to dance? To me, dancing is, especially ballroom dancing, is the ultimate form of masculinity. I mean, if you think like martial arts is like masculine, I think I think even more so dancing is because you have to be the man. You know, it's not it's not about this or that. It's about it's about you being the man, it's about her being the woman and you are showcasing that masculinity in full effect and the more masculine you are the more feminine she looks and the better you both look on the floor it's all about that and as far as people's opinions I, I never cared about people's opinions i mean that's why i stuck with kung fu as long as i did and why i stuck with dancing as long I, if you want to do it and you enjoy it do it and let the people who poo-pooed it or made fun about it come back to you 10 or 15 years like i had friends do me and tell you how much they regret it that didn't stick with it or try it. I think that's in, I think that's incredible advice. That's amazing. I think it's hard to ignore people's opinions, but at the end of the day, you have to do what makes you happy. Speaking of ten or fifteen years from now, let's say mm. let's say you got in a time machine and you went back. Let's say ten years ago. What would today's Dwight tell ten years ago, Dwight? Any advice about his own dancing? Stretch more, man. Because <laughs> stretch. I would say don't play the game of the competitive world. Don't try to play the game. Don't do it. Do it for the enjoyment. Because even if you play the game and you won by those standards, you wouldn't be happy. Ultimately, everybody wants to win. Only one can win. It's more important than just winning. And you don't need a title to be successful. Very cool. Well, outside of balloons, there's so many things that I could reminisce about my relationship with you. Like I said, you hold a very special place in my heart because you are the first man that I ever performed with. So that's very special. And I think, you know, it's funny because I remember, I feel like most of the dances that we did together, we did the samba, we did the bolero, we had like a, in our bolero, I, 
I'm trying to remember what song it was, but we had like... It's Cranberries. Oh, yes. You're so pretty. That was such a good song. And I, one of my favorite dances that I did with you, actually, I think we came up with in like three or four days, you had asked me, you said, hey, let's dance. And we put together a dance in like three or four days. It was that Black Eyed Peas song. Black Eyed Peas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was one was one. really fun. Yeah, so we've done we've done a lot of fun dances together. But I really do have to say that you've had such a huge influence in in my dance life, in my personal life as well. You're one of my best friends, but you always you have this gift for really seeing people and sometimes seeing something in them that they don't see in themselves. And there was so much of my dancing that was influenced by you because you were seeing so much more potential in me than I saw in myself. You were seeing so much more skill, so much more talent. And I feel like a huge part of my confidence as a dancer came from you. And you had such a huge influence very, very early on in my dance career and in my learning as a student, as a, not a partner of yours, but as a collaborator sometimes. And I appreciate that relationship so much. I, I think that you're an amazing teacher. And I think that obviously you're an amazing person and I love you. You're my favorite. Uh, love you too. Thanks for coming on the podcast today. I hope I'll do many more episodes with you in the future. Sounds fun. As we're wrapping up, because we are in the middle of social distancing, what would be your best advice for people that are cooped up in their house? houses that can't get out to social dance that can't get out to connect with their teachers what would be your advice for keeping people sane in these very very unusual times even though all the rules are imposing us you know keeps us quarantined you can still live your life as if you're looking towards the future you should still be training you should still be stretching walking doing things to get your body up practicing your skills living your life as if this can be over tomorrow That is good advice. I'm going to try to follow that myself. I feel like, weirdly enough, it's almost getting to the point now where I'm less missing normal life and more just seeing it as like a far, far distant picture. And I'm when this is all over, I don't think I'm going to know how to go back to normal life again. I know, right? Well, if some people feel like they can't really do anything because this is a survival type moment we're in, that's okay too. You know, some people just need to relax. But Pray, meditate, do all those things that that keeps your spirits elevated. And uh, do not worry because worry doesn't fix anything. Read a book. Read a book. (laughs) Read a book. Yes, that's good advice. So thanks again for being on the podcast. If you're listening today and you have not given us a rating yet, make sure to give us a rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe so you can stay up to date on future episodes. Thanks. Thanks.